so I do have a word from the Lord this morning, and uh, anyway, we'll get there in a moment, but I'm thankful for revival, uh, thankful for a harvest of souls, thankful for people that are receiving the Holy Ghost. That's still real, by the way. Amen. People still do and must be filled with the Holy Ghost if they plan on being saved. Amen. I know there's a lot of easy believism going around in the religious world today. Folks that uh, assure you that if you just accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can be saved. Although there's no Bible base for that, but that's just something somebody invented down the road. And it sounded good, and so a lot of other churches joined up and decided that's the easy way to get into heaven. Amen. And uh, I just think of that deal of accepting Christ. And uh, I was preaching at one of our churches about four weeks ago, and I preached about uh, who accepts who. Amen. And I just use a little illustration of a man who uh, left his wife and children for another woman. And five years went by or so, and the other woman got tired of the man and kicked him out, left him. And so he's alone again. And so he begins to think of how good he had it with his first wife and how he missed his kids, and he'd made a decision. He was going to go back. And so he showed up on the front porch and knocked at the door, and the first wife opened the door to see that good-for-nothing deserter standing there. And she said, what are you doing here? Get off my porch. Get out of my life. Hang on, lady. Don't be talking to me. I got good news today. Oh, yeah, and what would that be? I decided that I was going to return to you and that I was going to accept you again as my wife. How, how good do you think that went over? <laughs> Amen. And you who are the worm, the sinner, the good-for-nothing that's done God wrong how many times? You think you're going to come to a beautiful, holy, just, never-failing, faithful God and say, you know, I've checked you out. I've looked you over, and I really believe that I'm going to accept you as my Savior. It's so ludicrous. But thanks be to God, we can find God's acceptance through old-fashioned repentance. Amen. And if you're here today and somebody has sold you a bill of goods that you can accept the Lord and be saved, you are deceived. But today you're going to hear the message, what will save us. Amen. I'm, I'm grateful for the salvation that's Bible-based. Amen. There still is a plan of salvation. It hasn't changed. It's been consistent for centuries. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Amen. But we're thankful for growth, thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, people being baptized in Jesus' name. What is the Holy Ghost? Well, we know it's the Spirit of God, but when the Holy Ghost fills you, I want to just illustrate it this way. We have a lady in our home church there in La Ceiba, Honduras. Her name is Nolbia. Sister Nolbia had been coming to church for months and hearing about the Holy Ghost and seeking the Holy Ghost. And, but Sister Nolbia had a very rough life. Sister Nolbia had been hurt by everybody, her husband, her grown kids, uh, people about her. And, and somebody that's been abused, whether it be sexually, emotionally, whatever, uh, she was abused emotionally so severely. Uh, someone that is abused, they close themselves up. And that's a kind of a protection mechanism to keep them from feeling because to love sometimes means that you hurt. And so she had closed herself up and she was so tight even against the love of God. And she would seek the Holy Ghost, but her heart was like a rock. And we kept giving her Bible studies and she kept hearing the preaching of the word. God kept dealing with her and it was like a sledge just hitting that rock and and she got to the place she wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. 
And she would say, I want to get it. I want it. And tonight you can have it. It's a promise for you, we would tell her. And she would come up to the altar and she would try, but she just would never get it. So she got discouraged. And she is a witness. And so she invited a lady. Her name is Blanca. Blanca came to church on a Sunday morning here a few weeks back. First time visitor. And Blanca got the Holy Ghost during song service. Well, that's all great. Not for Nolbia. After service, she came to me and she says, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm not going to get it. I said, Sister Nolbia, it's for you. It's a promise. For the promise is unto you, the scripture says. She just, I said, you're going to get it. Keep seeking it. Don't give up. She was just all frustrated that a first-time visitor, she said, how is it that she came one time and she gets it, and I've been here for months seeking it, and I can't get it. Thursday night, midweek service, Sister Nolbia received the Holy Ghost. And she came up to me after service. And this is, this is what really happens when you get the Holy Ghost. She came up to me after service, and she had tears running down her face, and she says, I got it. I said, yeah, you did. She says, for the first time in my life, I feel like that I am loved. You know what receiving the Holy Ghost is? It's God saying, I love you. And if you haven't received the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, the love of God is so rich. It's so deep. It's so life-transforming. You can have it this morning. You can get it today. Amen. I'm thankful for what God's doing. There's a lot of good things going on uh, in the mission field, on our mission field, and I'm grateful for that. Amen. Just today, this afternoon, we have a young minister, his wife, they're not pastoring. They're a local minister in our home church, Brother Angni and Sister Christelle. And just in a short story here, a long story made short, if I could, uh, he's, he's one of our preachers. He's, he teaches and he preaches and he's reaching souls. And, and I've been feeling for a while that uh, there's a change coming for them and they're going to pastor a church. And so, oh, several months ago, I said, Brother Angni, I want you to begin to pray this way. God... If you can use me in ministry, raising up a new work, would you show us and give us direction? And so we've been praying for several months. And about two months ago, I was with part of my family in the city of Comayagua. Comayagua is where the largest main international airport for the country of Honduras is located. Uh, Comayagua uh, is a thriving city. We don't have any church, but Comayagua is the center it's a stronghold of Catholicism in our country. Every Easter week, uh, they shut the city down as far as traffic goes, and they'll decorate their streets with colored sawdust. And they have all kinds of designs, and then they have these reenactments of the crucifixion of Lord Jesus Christ, and thousands come to the streets, and they, they follow those processions, and it's a stronghold of Catholicism. And uh, I was sitting at a restaurant with my family, and this has happened to me several times in my ministry. I felt something, I kind of can empathize with what Paul felt. He said his spirit was stirred up within him. And I sat there eating fried chicken, I think it was, and I, I pushed my plate back and I said, baby, I said, I'm feeling it again. She says, what? I said, there is a church in this city waiting to be born. Amen. And I, I texted Brother Engney and I said, Brother Engney, I said, I want you to begin to pray about Comayagua. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want you to pray about Comayagua. And so they began to pray about Comayagua. And then just a couple, three weeks ago, I funded a little three-day trip for them to go to Comayagua. And uh, they drove into the city, and we had gotten them a little Airbnb that they were going to stay at. And normally checking into an Airbnb is, is 
effortless, flawless, but they had about four hours that they had to wait and, and sitting in their car. They have a newborn little baby girl and, and it was very uncomfortable for them, but they finally got in and, and uh, didn't really get to go around the city much is what I wanted them to do. And, and the next day they got up and they went right to the central square. You have to understand that every city, every hamlet, every town in Honduras has a central square and it has a big Catholic church on the central square. And that central square in Comayagua is, if I could say, the seat of Catholicism, that's where it was. And they went to the central square and uh, stood before the Catholic church and they said that they just basically said, well, we're here. Amen. Now, the devil's not a dummy. And he, un he sees a threat, recognizes a threat. And so Brother Angney is one of the healthiest young men that I know. He never gets sick. By noon that day, they went to eat at a little restaurant and he got sick. So sick that he had to go back to his Airbnb and he spent the rest of the afternoon anyway. I don't want to go into details, but he just had problems. Fever, throwing up, everything. Never been sick. That was on Tuesday, Tuesday night. We got up Wednesday, and they finally they had to leave Wednesday to head back to La Ceiba. And, and, uh, the, but they came up to see Guatepeque, where we were staying. It's about a 40-minute drive. And spent the night there because he was still feeling sick. And I sat down and talked to him that night, and I said, what did y'all feel? Sister Cristel said, I didn't want to leave. He said, Pastor, I was so miserable and sick. He says, I, I want to... Uh, what's the word? A rematch. <laughs> I want to come again, he said. And so this afternoon, after their Sunday morning service in La Ceiba, they're getting in their car and they're headed back to Comayagua. Amen. And I'm asking you, this church, amen, your praying church, I believe in the power of prayer. But I'm asking that God would go with them. And not just let them have a good two or three days, but oh, that a door, a door would open for them. Amen, amen. And a door would open for them. An effectual door. I know that when a door opens, there's many adversaries, but we got one that's greater than any adversary. He's on our side. Amen. There's a new church about to be born. I believe that in the Holy Ghost. I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. Amen. And I want you to believe with us. Amen. That God is going to do a work in Comayagua. So help us pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I feel the Lord here in this house. Amen. I want us to stand together right now. I don't know how much of this I'm going to get through, but I have a word today. And it would seem like this word doesn't fit to a church that's on fire, a church that knows how to pray. I heard men's voices being raised in prayer. That's a sign of a healthy church. But I have a message for somebody here today. And if you'll take heed, God's going to save your soul. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. James chapter 1, verse 12 through 15 says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. And I want you to notice verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. 
I thought she was going to preach about something that's going to help save our souls. I'm going to do my best. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It doesn't take the devil to be lost. It doesn't take the devil for you to be lost. Amen. Lord Jesus, help me. I feel that burden, Lord. I feel that weight you placed upon me. Help me today. Help me to deliver what you put upon my soul. Help somebody hear it. Help me to hear it, God. Help it to apply to the preacher just like it does to the saint. Help us, God. We want to be saved. We want to be in your presence. We want your favor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated today. We've all read articles of individuals who have committed horrible things. And when they were asked or interviewed later, why did you do it? They would say something along the lines of, well, there was this voice in my head. And I just obeyed the voice in my head. And so people have developed this concept that Satan is the cause of a person's perdition. And I'm not going to deny that Satan can possess a soul. He can, he can take over. He can work within. But he can't do it unless someone allows him in. He doesn't have the power to elbow his way in and force his way upon you. But our greatest enemy is not Satan. Our greatest enemy is our own carnal will. Amen. Someone said that self is Satan's ally within the soul. We give Satan too much credit. The devil made me do it, they say. No, he's not omniscient. A lot of people have a misconception. They think that the devil can read your thoughts like God can. He doesn't know everything. You know how Satan knows if you're discouraged? Not when you say to God in prayer, God, I'm discouraged, help me. That's the secret place. He can't go in there. But when you open your mouth and tell somebody else, I'm just discouraged. I just don't think whatever. I just, and devil said, ha, 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 I heard that. He's not omniscient. Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times. I don't even think Satan probably even in Arkansas tonight, today. <laughs> There's some other places, even in America, especially around the world, that I would feel like is more wicked than here, where his seat is. He's not om omnipresent. And he's not omnipotent. He doesn't have all power. Only God has all power. Satan is not a creator. He is created. He's nobody's boss. He's not in charge of you. He's not the opposite of God. He is not equal with God. I want you to understand this about Satan. He is a fallen angel. He got kicked out of the heavenlies. Woo, he fell like a lightning bolt down. He said, I'm going to set up my throne like God. And God said, oh, yeah? Amen. The scripture says that Satan has been given some power. He is the prince of the power of the air. But he has no authority 
over any child of God. Satan did not cause Eve and then Adam to sin. What did he do? He came and cast doubt upon the word of God. I'm going somewhere. Just give me a moment. He cast doubt on the word of God. And Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant, what? The tree was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. It was what the woman saw that tempted her. And if we want to use this scripture, we can combine it to the one in the New Testament. It talks about the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. She saw those three things in this tree or the fruit of that tree. It's what she saw that caused her demise. It's what she desired, what she lusted after. Every man's drawn away by his own lust. And when lust is conceived and born its child, the end result is death. It doesn't take the devil for you to be lost. You better be careful what your eyes are setting upon. You better watch out for lust. What is lust? The Spanish equivalent is concupiscence, which is a desire for Things that are forbidden. Sinful things. Dirty things. Things that God said are abominable unto me. That lust says that's what I want. Lust drew Adam away and then caused, excuse me, Eve away and then caused Adam to sin with her. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, when in time past, wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Talking about that one that has some power. The spirit that now worketh in who? In the children of disobedience. He can only work. When you walk in disobedience to the the word of God, he can't come into your life if you're walking in obedience. He can't affect you negatively if you're walking in obedience. David said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The devil knows that. So what does he do? He casts doubt upon the word. Oh, God, help us understand the importance of obedience. Not just when you got your suit and tie on and you're sitting in a church service, but when you put your work clothes on and you go to work on Monday, you still got to live in obedience. When the man of God is not around to see what you're doing, you still got to live in obedience. Come on, when you got a cell phone in your hand and nobody looking over your shoulder, you still got to live in obedience unto God's word. He can only work when you walk in disobedience. Your disobedience to God's word is the open door that allows Satan to work within you. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So Satan cannot cause you to be lost. He's not going to show up on your doorstep with that pitchfork. Dressed in his red outfit with horns. As so many cartoon drawers or whatever depicted him. He's not going to show up and say, I want you to kill somebody today. 
You got to do it. You have no choice. I said you got to do it. The beautiful thing is the scripture says, submit thyself, therefore, unto God. That's first. Then it says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He has no power over you. And I know that God is all-powerful. But there is one thing that can stymie the power of God. Know what it is? Your will. God says, I want to bless you. But you can say, I'm not going to obey. And his blessings are withheld. God says, I'll forgive you. But you can say, I'm not going to repent. And God will withhold his forgiveness from you. Because God's will is subject to God's word. God's not willing that any should perish. If that's the case and the will of God was above everything else, then nobody in the world would be lost. But the word of God says that the soul that sinneth shall surely, y'all know your word, die. So his word says if you sin, you die. His will says I want to save everybody. So his will is subject to his word. And if you are subject to the word, your will has to be subject to the word. And if it's subject to the word, if the devil comes along and offers temptation, the only place he can get you is if he can put doubt on the word of God and he can get you to believe it. So there's one thing that can hinder the power of God, and that's the will of man. The scripture says in Romans 7, 18 through 20, for I know that in me, Paul said, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There's no good thing in the heart of carnal man. And just because you've repented and just because you've been baptized in Jesus' name and just because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost does not mean that that old flesh is not going to lift up its ugly head and try to govern again and try to get back on the throne of your heart again. It's wicked. It's, there's no good thing in this flesh. Oh, hallelujah. There's some things that don't die when you get baptized. You think about it. Why did Joshua have to abrade the children of Israel and say, choose you this day who you're going to serve? You're going to serve the Lord or are you going to serve the gods that your father served in Egypt? Wait a minute. They'd come through the Red Sea. The Spirit led them. A type of Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name. They'd already come through conversion. Typically, you know, the type of it. And what do you mean? They're still, we still have to deal with these idols that they had back on the other side of the Red Sea? Yeah. There's something. Flesh is going to, as long as you're alive, it's still going to put up its ugly head. And it's going to say, hey, hey, hey. You better be watching for it. You better understand that the will of your flesh is enough to send you to a devil's hell. If you disobey the word of God and obey the cravings of the flesh, you're going to be lost. Even though the devil doesn't have to do a thing about it. Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the Lord said, I, the Lord, search the heart, try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. There's another thing that can cause you to be lost, and the scripture calls it a root of bitterness. 
Ain't no devil wrapped up in that. It's just when you get offended and you let your spirit carry that on. I'm telling you, the heart of man is the best place to breed bitterness. If you let the the heart go its own way and you you quit praying and you quit staying full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you it's so easy for bitterness to crop up. Somebody look at you wrong. Somebody said something or didn't say something to you when you thought they should have. Bitterness gets in there. You can be lost without the devil if you just let your heart be carried away with bitterness. Oh God, help us keep our hearts. Help us keep our hearts. First John chapter 2 and verse 16 for all that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we've got these things in the heart of man that have to be dealt with if we're going to be saved. And you're not just going to deal with them one time at an altar. Speaking in tongues and spiritual bliss and this is great. Woo! You can't live at the altar. You got to go back home and you got to face attitudes and spirits and, and the devil. Hey Amen. He'll come around every now and then too, but you got to be alert. Amen. There, there are things out there that, that's trying to get you. Amen. And trying to make you be lost. Things that are of the world. That is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Yeah, you better be careful. Better be careful. So what is repentance? How does it fit in? How does it help us to be safe? Repentance is an about face. It is a total change in direction. I like to say it this way. It is a death unto self. When you repent, it's not so much telling Satan, I'm through serving you. But rather, it is dying out to your own lust, your own concupiscence crucifying those lusts towards things that are forbidden. Making up your mind, I'm not going to do those things that I know grieves the heart of God. Oh, hallelujah. When you repent, I'm telling you, there's some things that change on the inside. But in repentance, and I want you to listen close, there are some things that you have to do on your own. Well, when God wants to save me, he can save me. Mm, you're probably going to die lost. There's some things you have to do on your own. There are choices that you have to make without God's immediate help. If you really want to be saved. There are decisions that you have to make. When you are convicted of your sinful ways, you got to decide. You got to choose. You got to change. Changes that you implement, not necessarily because God told you to change, but because you understand that you are grieving the heart of a righteous God doing those things. There has to be something come over you, and you understand, dear God, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting your heart every day. Every time I say that, it hurts you. Every time I go there, it hurts you. Every time I dress that way, it hurts you. Every time I act this way, it hurts you. Every time I drink that, it hurts you. Every time I smoke that, it hurts you. Every time I, everything I'm doing is hurting in you and repentance says God I'm done with it I'm not going there anymore I want to crucify these lusts I want to crucify this concupiscence there's some things you got to do on your own Jesus walked between the garden of Gethsemane all the way to Calvary by himself why do I say that he's hanging on the cross What does that mean? He felt alone. There's some things you're going to have to do. There's some walks you're going to have to walk, even when the Spirit of God's not on you saying, do it. I'm going to empower you. Do it. No, you're going to look ahead, and you're going to say, oh, there's a cross waiting on me. And this flesh is going to say, I don't want to go there.
You know what? Jesus gave up the ghost while hanging on the cross, but he really died out to his flesh back there in the garden. When you repent, you're going to be over there in that garden saying, oh God, not my will, but thy will be done. When you get that battle, that one defeated, that flesh defeated, you can get up and say, I know there's a cross waiting on me, but I'm going. What do you mean you're going to go crucify? Yeah, I'm going. That don't make sense. I understand, but I'm going. Man, why don't you do it? We all do it. We're having fun. I'm going to the cross. Something happened in that guy. What in the world's going on? Hey, before we'd party all the time, but now he just wants to go to church. I don't understand what happened to that guy. You know what happened? He repented. He put those lusts of the flesh down at an altar and said, I'm going to die out. I'm going to get to the place where it says, not my will, but thy will be done. And then if it's a cross I have to go to, no big deal. I'm dead. Before your body, your flesh can be made subject to the power of repentance, your spirit has to submit itself to the will of God. Hanging upon the cross, Jesus, Christ Jesus felt abandoned by deity. He felt like he was doing this all alone. The will of man wanted to live. But the will of God was you got to die. During repentance, God wants to see what you'll do while you're all alone. That's why I can't go and grab you by the hand and say, won't you come up here and repent? It doesn't happen together. It's an alone experience. If you're waiting for the preacher to come back and grab you, why don't you come up and pray? Come on to the altar. mm. Uh Uh-uh. There has to be something in you that realizes I'm lost. I want to be saved. And the only way through and into is through that altar of repentance. I, I Get out of my way. I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter if anybody else is up there or not. I've I got, I got to repent. I've got, got to crucify the desires of the flesh. And repentance is something you do all by yourself. Jesus could have called legions of angels. And not his mouth. Don't you expect repentance to be without its suffering? Don't expect a natural death. Oh, Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. Now I lay me down to sleep. I'm dead now. Uh uh-uh. uh. There's some groaning, there's some agony. Jesus, his sweat and his tears turned to blood. It was so intense. Dear God, this will fights, fights the will of God. This will of man struggles against consecration. It struggles against holiness. It struggles against purity. It struggles against integrity. But I'm going to tell you, it can win. God's spirit can win over the flesh and you can be victorious. But there's some agony in repentance. There's tears in repentance. There's brokenness in repentance. You ain't repented if there's no struggle at the altar. You know why there's some people that supposedly come to an altar and they repent and it's a woo-ha time and this is wonderful and then they go right back out and smoke their cigarettes and go back out back to their drugs and back to their sexual immorality. I'm going to tell you why. Because they never died. They never suffered. They never, no, they never crucified the desires of their flesh. The will of the flesh can make you go to hell without the devil's help. But oh, if we can learn that repentance is where flesh dies. That's why Paul said, I die daily. You may get the victory today, but you better be aware tomorrow he's going to show back up. God knows if you really mean your repentance. Matter of fact, the scripture says in Matthew 3, 8, that we are to bring forth, therefore, fruits. I like the way the Spanish puts it. Haced pues frutos. Do your fruits. In other words, repentance involves doing. Actions. 
Years ago, I was preaching a revival in Texas and preaching about repentance. And I was walking in the Holy Ghost. I felt that. And I said, you know, how can you come to an altar and repent when you've got that pack of cigarettes stuck back in that secret place and nobody knows about it? If you really want to repent, you're going to run to this altar and you're going to throw that pack of cigarettes on the altar and God's going to set you free. I had no more said that. And one man jumped up and ran to the altar and he was reaching for his pack of cigarettes and he threw them on the altar and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Two years later, I came back through and preached another revival there. And there he was. And he said, from that night that you preached about repentance... And God filled me with the Holy Ghost. He said, I have not, I've not sucked on another cigarette. I've not smoked. God set me free. Yeah, I set you free. Oh, thank God there's still deliverance in old-fashioned repentance. You know, the most important step of the plan of salvation is not baptism in Jesus' name. It's not the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Don't don't go somewhere. Hang on. It is repentance. Because if you don't die, how can you be buried? Matter of fact, if the preacher buries you and you hadn't repented, you hadn't died, you know what he did? He just killed you. That's why preachers ain't over eager just to get you in the water and say, oh, we have three more. We got to see fruit. There's got to be some changes. You've got to make some decisions in your life. If you know that wearing that dishonors God, why do you have it in your house? It shouldn't take the pastor to go home with you and say, now this right here and that right there, you need to get rid of that. No, when you understand that it grieves God's heart, you're going to go home all on your own. And you're going to make a decision all on your own. No more. It's over. I'm done with it. That's how the preacher knows that you really repented. There's fruit. There's actions taken. If nothing changes while you walk towards Calvary, your repentance is worthless. Yeah. I don't want to be abrasive, but, but the scripture does teach us about jewelry. It teaches about painting the flesh. It teaches about ladies cutting their hair. It teaches about godliness, all of these things. And I'm not here to throw a stone at anybody, but I'm just telling you, it's all in the book. You've got a wonderful pastor. He'll teach you all of that. And he has, I'm sure. But after you hear this and the word is there, God's saying, okay, the test is, are you going to obey my word? Or are you going to let your will supersede obedience to the word? Don't walk out and say, well, one of these days I'll make up my mind. You never will. When the word of God hits you and you feel conviction, that's the moment that the goodness of God is there drawing you to repentance. People say, well, I'm going to live for the devil or what, for myself, whatever. For, and then when I get ready, I'm going to repent. I'm going to live for God. It doesn't work that way. It's God that has to open the door to repentance. You may sit in many services and never feel that door open. But the moment it cracks open, you better jump at the opportunity because it's God saying, come on, today is your day. I'll give you the Holy Ghost. We're going to crack this thing. We're going we're to be victorious over your flesh. We're going to die out to the will of man. What has to happen then? Blind Bartimaeus is sitting by the wayside. He's blind. Matter of fact, his name means son of a blind man. What he had may have come by, by, uh, oh, what's the word? Inherited it or what? Genetical, whatever. How do they say that? Anyway, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you, you're in a condition that, that was handed down from Adam. You were born in sin, thanks to Adam. You know what I'm saying? So our condition is something we didn't necessarily ask for, but we're here. And here's blind Bartimaeus. He didn't ask to be blind, but there he is. Alms, alms, day after day, day after day. I can just see him getting up every morning. And before he walks out the door, he's looking for the old beggar's cloak that he had to wear. Oh, here it is. And he gets into his coat. 
had to wear it so he could be distinguished from others. People would know he's a, he's a blind beggar. I don't know if something got in his spirit. He just hated to put that thing on, but he had to. And so he'd go out to his spot on the outbound right out of Jericho, and he'd sit down there every day and... and Arms, arms, arms. But one day he hears that Jesus is in town. I don't know if his lame buddy next to him said, hey, man, did you hear there's a guy in Jericho right now? He's like a miracle worker. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. He, he, man, they say he, he raised the dead. I can just see Bartimaeus thinking, you know what? I care less about raising. I wish I was dead. I'm tired of this. I, what? Hey, but wait a minute, Bartimaeus. He, he even opens blinded eyes. What? Did you say open blinded eyes? Yeah, Bartimaeus. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm reading the newspaper here. It's on the head, front lines, you know, that he, hmm, you say he's in Jericho? Yeah. Could you take me there? Oh, Bartimaeus, you know my old feet just don't hold up to walk that day. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm lame. I can, this is my imagination. Please bear with me. And all of a sudden, there's a commotion of a large crowd coming down the road. And they say blind people have better ability to hear. And he says, hey, bud, what, what, what's, what's the cause of the commotion? I don't know, Barty, but I'll, I'll tell you as soon as I know. All right. Finally, Bartimaeus, what? It's that miracle worker. His name is Jesus. He's coming. They say he's coming out of Jericho, and he's going to come right by here. Bartimaeus is fit to be tied. You tell me when he's right out in front, please. All right. Bartimaeus, he's right out front. Jesus! Now, son of David, have mercy on me. And his old lame buddy, would you hush that up? Don't be hollering like that. You're making a scene. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to. You're not going to be saved quietly. No, you're going to have to lift your voice and cry out, Jesus. The Bible said that Bartimaeus, he cried out all the louder. But get it. The Bible says that after that second time, that Jesus stood still. You want Jesus to stop? He didn't just stand still. He said, bring that man to me. Bartimaeus, they're the master calleth you. He hadn't got to him yet. He knew there was an invitation. He had a choice to make. And this is what I love about Bartimaeus. I've been blind all my life. I've been a beggar all my life. But I hate this life. And I believe that man out there is going to help me get beyond this life. So I am going to... after your meeting with the master. No, I'm going to get rid of it. What is that? That is what connects me to the past. And if you want to be saved, you're going to have to get rid of the connection that you have with your past. The thing that identifies you with the world you come out of. And you got to get sick and tired of it and say, God, I want to be saved. Bartimaeus made a decision and he threw off his beggar's cloak before getting to Jesus. So we're here today. I don't know what you got. I don't know what cloak you wear. I don't know what stigma. I don't know what the past has on you. I don't know what you come out of. The Lord knows, but he's just calling you. Come. And you have a choice to make. Like the man that was in the temple with a withered hand. And Jesus just looked at him and said, stretch forth your hand. What's the tendency of a handicapped person to hide their handicap? They'll stretch out the good one. I have a choice to make. I can just, you know, be congenial with the master. Or I can put my need out to him. I can humble myself and, and, and acknowledge that I've got a need or I can continue that pride and say, I don't have a need. I'm all right. I'm doing okay. I don't need one. Oh, God help us. That when it's Jesus calling, we would say, get rid of that. Get rid of this. I've got to get rid of the old past because I want to be set free. I'm telling you, there is deliverance. There is Holy Ghost. There is power to set you free. 
but you're going to have to choose to lay something down, to throw something away, and to dismiss yourself from certain friends and company before you make a serious move towards the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel this in my spirit. You know what? You're sitting here with a necktie on today or a pretty dress and a hair all, but you know what? You're struggling with the lust of the flesh. Struggling with it. Struggling with that that you know grieves the heart of God. And you know what? You may sit on your couch or your bed at night and say, Dear God, I don't know why I keep going this route. And you come back to the altar and you cry and you pray, oh God, deliver me. Then you leave church and Monday you go back to the same pigsty. It's a tug of war with evil. Paul described it well. He said, for I know that in me and my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. I I do want to, God. But how to perform that which is good I find not. But I just... For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I don't understand. There's a battle between the will of the flesh and the will of God. And every person's going to face the same battle at one point or another. And if you give in to the desires of your flesh, you will fall into a trap of sin. I'm telling you, it does not take the devil to be lost. So Paul said in Romans 7, 24 and 25, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm talking to somebody that sat alone and you have said, I am a wretched person. Nobody knows. But I know. God, is there any way? Why do I keep slipping back? Supposedly have the Holy Ghost, Lord. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. What's wrong? I'm telling you, there is a way out. Paul said he was miserable. He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah, our text said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Quit blaming the devil for your sin. Man up. Fess up. Admit it's your own lust. You don't have to admit it to me. Admit to God and to yourself that it's your own lust leading you to destruction. And if you need somebody to talk to you need to run to your pastor and say pastor I've got a confession I've got to make not because I think you can forgive me we don't believe in that but I just need you to hear me and help me pray your pastor is not going to shoot you down he's going to bend the knee he's going to lay hands on you and he's going to plead the blood of Jesus over your life but you're going to have to admit your own lust that leads you to destruction that concupiscence desire for what is forbidden that that motivates you so what's the answer I told you I'm going to preach and tell you how you can be saved the answer Luke 9 23 and he said to them all if any man will come after me. Let him deny himself. That's not all. And take up his cross. But that's not all. Daily. But that's not all. And follow me. Denying ourselves. If you can learn to deny yourself, you're going to make it. But it's when self is behind the steering wheel of your life. You know, the Holy Ghost is here, and the Holy Ghost has to I don't want to use the phrase, but I'll use it root out. What's way down in that hidden compartment of your life? 
It's the Holy Ghost. And it's not here to embarrass you. It's not here to shame you. It's here to save you. But you're going to have to say self enough. I'm denying the desires of it. And I'm going to carry this heavy cross. Which one of these stands? Could you grab those two mics? I don't want to send them off somewhere. And that pen. You look kind of funny carrying that old cross. Why don't you go to a different church where they preach it a little easier? Get away from me. I'm carrying my cross. Okay, then just do it on a Sunday. Just on the midweek. Live it up during the week. No, daily. Well, where are you going with that thing? I don't know. Wherever the Lord says go. It's uphill, son. That's all right. He's going to strengthen me. Oh, you one God apostolic people. You, y'all live so restricted. Y'all live so, it's so hard. No, it's not. When you live for God hard, it's easy. But when you live for God easy, it's hard. If you'll just make up your mind, I'm going to de- deny my flesh. I'm going to take up my cross every day. And I'm going to say, okay, God, which way you want me to go today? What do you want to me today? I'm going to tell you salvation comes to your life when you can deny self. Take up the cross and every day follow him. Somebody can come to the music. I feel such a heaviness in my spirit this morning. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. There it is again. Crucified. You're going to have to make it to the cross. You're going to have to get up on the cross. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we serve not sin. What breaks sin's hold is when you crucify the flesh. The old man. And I like this, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, <laughs> this is the life. I'm a living dead man. This is the way to live. He said, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now listen to the next part. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God. (laughs) If you stay full of faith of the Son of God, you can live in this life victoriously. And then Paul said, I close with 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my my flesh, my lust, my affections, and bring it into subjection. Now, this is Paul, the apostle, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What do you mean, Paul? That you could actually be lost after being a preacher? And what is it that would cause him to be lost? His body. Not being under subjection. 
I don't want to be lost. Your pastor, he doesn't want to be lost. We've been preaching for years. We don't want to be a castaway at the end of all this. We've got to keep the flesh in subjection. Now look, it's Sunday morning. I know. And if you're so used to putting on a facade and and you're too proud to confess and bow a knee and bow your spirit, I know, okay. I ain't going up there. They're going to think I'm the one. And you may well be the one. But you got a decision to make. Jesus has stopped. He's standing still. He was walking by, but he stopped. And he's calling you. I said he's calling you. Don't use that shovel and shove it off on your neighbor. This is going to be good for so and so. He's calling you today. He's saying, come. But what are you going to do before you get into his presence? Or as you come to him? If that phone is a temptation for pornography, that phone should be left on an altar this morning. If you've got a little makeup hidden back in the back of the drawer at the house, you may not get to it right now. But as soon as you get home, you better make up your mind. It's going in the trash. I'm talking about fruit, meat for repentance. I'm talking about decisions that you're going to have to make walking by yourself between Gethsemane and Calvary this morning. But if you can make it to the cross, crucify the old man, the old woman. The old will. You'll walk out of here. (laughs) So I'm done. We don't give altar calls in Honduras. When I say let's all stand, they start coming to the altar. The way we've taught them. But please, don't let this just be another Sunday morning little quickie before we go to lunch but if God has spoken to you I pray that you stick around that altar you grab a hold of the horns of the altar say God I want to be saved repent repent if you'll repent of your sins it's not going to be hard then to say I want to go be buried And it won't be difficult for God to fill you with the Spirit when the old flesh is dead. Come on, church. Let's talk to the Lord. Come on. Is that the way you feel? the way you feel I gotta be saved for above all else I must be saved for whatever tell him whatever you have to do with me just don't let me be lost Come on, the mercy of God's in this house so strong.
The goodness of God is drawing. Take advantage of it. Don't pass off this prayer time as just another Sunday morning prayer. But get down to business with your Savior this morning. Come on. It's you and Jesus all alone. Come on, talk to him. He knows if you're being sincere. He knows your heart. Don't waste his time. Be sincere. Talk to him. Come on, open up that door to that secret chamber where you don't let anybody else in but yourself. Let him walk in and clean house this morning. Walk out of here delivered. Walk out of here set free from that bondage of sin. Don't serve sin anymore. Don't give in to the lust, to that concupiscence anymore. That's it. Lift your heart to the Lord. Lift your voice to Him. Hallelujah. God's here with mercy. God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. If you'll repent, if you'll repent, He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning. If you'll repent, even though you've done those wicked things, you'll repent and make up your mind, make some decisions today. God will renew you in the Holy Ghost and you'll walk out in victory today. That's what He wants to do. Come on, it doesn't take the devil to be lost.